0: Hey there, welcome to The Honest MD. I'm your host Kelly from Hey Kelly Ellen. Tune in every week for solo episodes and conversations with leaders in medicine all about navigating pre-med life, medical school, residency, medical careers, and more. But that's not all. We are all about being honest here. I'm gonna be sharing the ups and downs of life both inside and outside of medicine. Because we all know that while we love medicine, it is not our whole life, and we are so much more than our careers. So make sure you're ready to learn. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so, so excited to be starting my podcast, The Honest MD. And thank you so much for listening. Today, I wanted to talk about my journey to becoming a doctor and share a little bit more about who I am as a person. I have a social media account on Instagram and TikTok called Hey Kelly Ellen, and I get asked on there probably weekly about why I want to be a doctor, and if you don't follow me there or if this is your first time listening to the podcast or connecting with me, I want to share today about why I want to be a doctor, my journey from high school all the way to the end of medical school, which is where I am right now and really dive into who I am and where it all started. Because I know on this podcast, I'm going to be sharing and interviewing lots of different medical professionals, and they're going to be sharing their journeys. So I figured why not start by sharing mine so you can learn a little bit about me. So and this is our first time meeting. My name is Kelly. I am originally from Southern California, about 15 to 20 minutes away from Los Angeles. And that's where I grew up. And I went to a all-girls high school and was always someone who really enjoyed science classes. I remember in high school, I took anatomy and physiology and got to do some dissections, and that was really cool. And honestly, I probably have a really similar story or origin story to a lot of you. I'm sure lots of you, maybe even as early as elementary school or middle school, enjoyed science. I know that I was someone ever since I was a kid who thought I wanted to be a doctor one day, and I will say that that wasn't something that it was a journey. I, I had ups and downs, and um, it was a long path, but it definitely was something that was a childhood dream of mine. So in high school, I took a lot of the common AP science classes like AP chemistry, uh, AP biology, AP, calculus, stuff like that, and really dove into science in general. Not 100% sure what I was going to do, but just following my passions. And then during high school, something really significant happened in my life that forever changed the trajectory of my life. And that is that my mom actually was diagnosed with and eventually passed away from breast cancer when I was 16 years old in high school. And if any of you are in high school right now or listening, or if you can think back to high school times, you'll know that it was just a a huge thing to go through and there were many days when I just could not envision what my life was going to look like without my mom. She was my best friend. She was the person who literally gave me advice every single day she you know was my person and it was really really difficult to imagine a future without her and not only that but it also this whole experience with my mom and her journey with cancer really taught me a lot about the medical system in a way that I think a lot of people never experience it right so not only I knew doctors had to be interested in medicine obviously and be interested in meeting with patients diagnosing them treating them you know I shadowed doctors in high school and college and I got that experience and really enjoyed it um, but there's a whole other side of medicine that I, a lot of people really don't realize and really don't understand until they have to go through it themselves or a family member goes through it, and that is the fact that you truly deal with sick people and you don't always have positive outcomes, right? You can't cure every patient that you treat which is just the reality of medicine, and also the fact that doctors need to be not only the top of their field in terms of knowing how to treat diseases and diagnose, but also just be excellent communicators and really know how to explain complex, topics in easy to understand ways for patients, and also just talk about hard things in general. Like with my mom, I know, you know, there was periods where we talked about continuing treatment versus palliative care versus hospice care, and all of those things require in-depth conversations that can be really difficult to have, and having a doctor that you can trust and That you know 100% is there for you and your health is so important. So, that experience really impacted me as early as high school. And then I ended up going to college at UCLA. I started in 2012 and I graduated in 2016. And while I was there, I majored in physiological sciences, and basically just physiology, and I minored in English. And UCLA, if you don't, if you're not from California, uh, or if you're not familiar with the school, it's a large uh, public university, and it was... A big adjustment. (laughs) I came from a very small high school with a class size of 80, and I started UCLA doing general chemistry with a class size of 200 plus. (laughs) So, um, just that class, obviously, the undergrad class was way bigger. So, it was a really big moment of being, you know, a small fish in a big pond, and I wasn't used to that. And it was difficult. <laughs> I, I just want to share this because I, I know a lot of you are in college. And it would have helped me to know that other people had difficult times in college. And I've shared this on my social media before. But I'm going to share it here on the podcast that I remember my very first quiz in general chemistry. I literally got a 9 out of 40 on it and I had never done that badly on a test or a quiz in my entire life and I was truly like I just felt so dumb and so stupid and I know I'm I'm not but it just when you grow up knowing that you've always excelled in academics and then you all of a sudden have this kind of shock where, oh, I'm not excelling in academics anymore. It can really mess with your identity, and it can really mess with your mental health. So, that was if that 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 was a if that quiz was not the theme for how things went um, at UCLA at the beginning. Uh, I don't know what is. <laughs> so it was difficult at first and. I really had trouble with a lot of the big pre-med classes, not only because they were just difficult. I mean, you're taking physics and chemistry and organic chemistry and biology and calculus. Those are all just difficult classes to begin with, but you also are taking them with some of the smartest people from their own high schools, so you're competing with them too, right? And Lots of times your class is graded on a curve. And then at UCLA, there is a huge pre med community at UCLA. And you would think that would be good. And in some ways it is, but there's no pre med advisors on campus. So there's really little, like very little support when it comes to being a pre med. So I really did struggle um, in the first two years at UCLA and I, I questioned whether being a doctor was even right for me so many times. I can't even like explain it and it wasn't because I didn't want to be a doctor. it was it was just because I was like, how am I going to do well enough in these classes to apply to medical school and get accepted? And also, I just genuinely did not like the chemistry and the physics classes that I had to take. I, you know, love physiology. I love anatomy. I love all the medical school classes. Well, not all of them, but (laughs) I like them a lot more than physics. That's for sure. Uh, But I actually just genuinely like uh, learning about that more than I ever cared about physics. And I was like, why am I memorizing this random equation? Right? (laughs) Because I just didn't see how it was applicable. So I quit being pre-med for a time period uh, while I was at UCLA. And I really struggled with what to do. medical students struggling with writing a personal statement, having the worst writer's block and don't know where to start, want to make sure you write a personal statement that stands out? I have great news for you. My own personal statement landed me eight medical school interviews and I put all my knowledge into a free training all about how to write a unique medical school personal statement. Head to my website www.heykellyellen.com And click on the words free personal statement training to watch the video today it's free so what are you waiting for uh during that time and i took a step back and i just asked myself like is being a doctor right for me like why don't i explore other career options why don't I see what is out there? I'm When you're in college, like, you're so young, that's the time when you're supposed to be exploring and you're supposed to be testing the waters and, you know, finding your identity, right? And you don't want to look back on that time when you're in medical school or when you're a doctor and wish that you had tried something else and, like, wonder, like, oh, is the grass greener on the other side, right? Of course, like, looking like, while I was doing it, I was very stressed and overwhelmed and stuff, but looking back on it, I'm glad that that's what happened, and during that time, I remember I became pre-dental for a while, and I shadowed dentists, and immediately, like, that was not for me, (laughs) but I'm glad that I tried it, and um, I also mentioned earlier that I minored in English, so I've always loved the humanities. I've really enjoyed using the creative side of my brain, which is probably why I like social media and I have a podcast, right? Uh, But I really liked that aspect. And I even interned for a media company during my time in college and just explored other things. And not only that, but I also uh, utilized the alumni network at UCLA and at my high school and just literally called people emailed first and then asked could I set up an appointment to call and ask people can I chat with you about your journey to your career can I ask you if you like what what's your typical day like do you enjoy your career stuff like that and I think that really helped me as well just hearing What else was out there. So at UCLA, I managed to get through the first two years of all those prereq classes, and I did okay in them. I didn't get straight A's by any means, but I did okay. And I had always heard, just wait till you take the upper division classes and see if you like it, because I was majoring in physiology, and I knew it was really close to what medical school would be like, and I wanted to see if I even liked that, so I stuck with it, and I remember I started my first year, or my junior year, I it was an anatomy class. That was kind of the big um, class, your junior year, that you're supposed to take and I loved it. It was really difficult, but I I really enjoyed it, and I really liked all the physiology classes, and I actually did really well in them, and I had a big upward trend in my GPA, too, which really helped, and I think that after that, I stuck with it, and then something else that I am really glad that I did was shadow doctors at the UCLA Ronald Reagan Hospital, And that experience also helped confirm that being a doctor was what I wanted to do. Because think about it, when you're studying chemistry, you lose sight of the bigger picture. You're like, why am I even suffering through this class, right? I'm sorry if you love chemistry, I don't. You're like, why am I suffering through this? But when I would go shadow in the hospital, I remember like shadowing in the NICU and just being so fascinated with what the doctors were talking about and the the rounding that they would do every morning. I would shadow that and I loved it and I thought, okay, Kelly, if you like this, you're going to like medicine and you're going to like medical school and you're going to like being a doctor. You just have to get through the hard parts of pre-med life. So that's what I did and that's why I also highly recommend shadowing. Uh not only is it good for your application, but also it just shows you what your life is going to be like as a doctor, right? That's the point that they that's the reason why admissions committees want you to shadow. So, <clears throat> that's a little recap of UCLA and I graduated in 2016. And this is where I made a mistake, okay? I'm just sharing this so you don't make this the same mistake as I did. I never planned out when I was going to take the MCAT. I should have taken it during a summer between, you know, a certain, like, junior, senior year or sophomore, junior year, but I didn't, and I didn't, I wasn't just knowledgeable about the medical school application process. Like, I didn't realize that You literally, it literally was a whole year long process and you had to take the MCAT and get your score back by a certain date. And, you know, all of you are probably much more aware of that now than I was uh, during this time. So when I graduated, I had not taken the MCAT at all. And therefore, that meant that I had to plan out when I was going to take it as well as take two gap years. So I graduated and I studied for the MCAT the summer after I graduated and I took a Princeton review course that summer. It was intense. I remember it was like pretty much every day uh, that I would drive in and uh, do the course and then There were certain practice tests that we had to take, too, and I took the MCAT and did not do as well on it as I needed to. Essentially, my overall score was okay. There was just one section that was really low, and I knew I had to retake it, and that was so difficult and so hard to come to terms with because I didn't know anyone else had had to retake their MCAT during that time or how common it is to have to retake it and also just getting the mental energy to study for it again was really hard and I also had plans during my gap year to start working and getting that clinical experience in and getting a score less than what I expected was something that I did not prepare for, obviously. So I had to take it again and I restudied for it completely differently. I ended up hiring a tutor through Wazant to tutor me uh, for the section that I didn't do as well in. I bought the exam crackers books and did the questions there and I took a lot of practice tests. Nowadays, UWorld is what people do. UWorld MCAT wasn't a thing back then, so it's different, but I retook it, and then I also ended up becoming a scribe and a medical assistant for an orthopedic surgery practice for a year, and then my second year I did it for an allergy and immunology office, so I got that clinical experience in, and I also literally just googled research labs in the city I lived in and found one, emailed them, asked if they accepted volunteers, and ended up doing migraine research during that time too. But most importantly, gap year from medical school was just a chance for me to not be a student for a little bit of my life and take time to travel. I traveled to Australia, Hawaii, My cousins and I road tripped all the way from Los Angeles to Oregon. It was just a time to be something other than a student, and it was really nice. And there were definitely positives during the gap year, but also I remember just feeling so anxious during that time with retaking the MCAT, wondering if I would ever get into medical school, seeing all my friends who graduated with different majors, start their careers. And I felt like I was, you know, not really moving forward. I was kind of just stagnant. So I felt all those feelings at once. And then I applied to medical school and ended up applying to about 40 medical schools. I'm a California resident. So it's really competitive to get into the California Medical School, so I knew that I would need to apply to more medical schools than people from other states. And also, I made sure to apply to medical schools that accepted a large percentage of -of out-of-state students because that's something that you have to be really cognizant of, too. You don't want to waste your application and your application money. And I... (laughs) remember writing all those secondaries and that's something I can definitely go into more the whole application process in later podcasts episodes but then I interviewed um, at schools and ended up being accepted to uh, the two schools that I interviewed at I got eight interviews total but only ended up going to two because the schools that I ended up interviewing at were ones that I really, really liked and felt like I would actually go there if I was accepted. So I ended up picking a medical school in Arizona and starting my journey towards becoming a doctor and starting medical school in a new state where I didn't know anyone. And obviously I am not from Arizona and lots of my classmates are from Arizona. It was really tough at first. It was tough adjusting to a new study environment. It's, it's hard to even explain the amount of material you have to do, memorize and study in medical school it's unlike anything else that you've ever experienced in your life and you quickly realize that the study techniques that you did in undergrad have to change and all of that with just regular life making friends having my own apartment living alone here in Arizona it was a big adjustment for sure and I just want to be honest about that and the ups and downs with that. And I ended up, everyone takes their board exam, their step one at the, well, at least, um, at my school at the end of second year. Um, some schools take it at the end of third year, but when I took it, it was still graded. So you still got a numerical score. So it was very, very stressful studying for that exam. Uh, it's unlike anything I've ever, done in my entire life because at the MCAT, you always could take it again if you didn't do as well. But step one, unless you fail it, which obviously you don't want to, it's not like you can take it again. So there's that. And then also there's the fact that you feel like your whole future is tied to one test, which is not a fun feeling to have. I'm so excited to announce an amazing giveaway that I'm running on the Honest MD podcast. You can win my course, the Medical School Personal Statement Bootcamp, all about how to write a medical school personal statement. The course is valued at $147 and you can win it for free. All you have to do to be eligible to win is leave a review of my podcast, The Honest MD, take a screenshot before you hit submit, and then send me the screenshot on my Instagram, Hey Kelly Ellen, or email me the screenshot at hey at gmail.com. Good luck. Have right. <laughs> so I honestly studied for that test for probably about six months, but you do study for it intensely for a period of about five to six weeks usually schools give you time off school to just study and I honestly lost myself a little bit during that time uh the amount of stress that you go through during that time is just unexplainable and I'm I'm really glad that it's pass fail now because it there should really not be so much pressure uh for one test anyways After I took the test and found out I passed it, I quickly realized that one of the things that brought me so much joy in undergrad that I wasn't doing in medical school was mentoring and giving back to people. In undergrad, I tutored and I also was a TA, an undergrad TA and i really enjoy teaching and giving back and mentoring and i didn't have that in medical school anymore and it really was hard and it's something that gives me so much happiness to feel like i am helping those who are behind me so i started i started my social media accounts hey kelly ellen honestly, as just a way to give back and a way to kind of journal and document my, my medical school journey because I was about to start clinicals and it's really exciting uh, to start to rotate in the hospital and I quickly realized how many pre-meds out there felt as lost and confused about the whole process as I did when I was a pre-med. And my account just grew, and I had I have so many people message me telling me that they got a bad grade or they didn't do well on the MCAT. What's going to happen? Am I not going to be a doctor? And I just wanted to be the person that was going to say, it's going to be okay. I've been in your shoes, and here I am in medical school. And I can definitely talk more about social media and growing an account and all of that in future episodes if people are interested in that. So I did my clinical rotations and ultimately fell in love with psychiatry and decided that was the specialty that I wanted to do. And I am, at the time of recording this, I am currently a fourth year medical student who is applied into psychiatry and is eagerly awaiting to see where I'm going to be beginning residency. And that overall is my journey from high school all the way up to medical school. And I just wanted to share it with you all because I wanted you to see that people's paths are not necessarily linear even though it may seem like it looking at someone's end result you think oh it worked out perfectly for them to get there they probably had a 4.0 and a perfect MCAT score and it was easy for them oftentimes you don't see the ups and downs that people go through to get to medical school and to become a doctor and I want to demystify the process and show you you don't have to be a perfect student or a perfect applicant to be successful in medical school or to even be accepted to medical school. And beyond that, I want to also, with this podcast, I named it The Honest MD because I want to be honest about life both inside of medicine and outside of medicine and show you that while I'm a medical student currently I'm going to be a resident soon that's not all that I am and I think many of you also have the same worries and struggles that I go through and I want to talk about those like dealing with imposter syndrome dealing with Studying when I have no motivation. How do I do that? And then larger life things like dating and relationships and finances and getting an apartment or a condo or a house. All of those things that people in their 20s are going through or even later. And beyond that, I want to tell you all about what life is like as a medical student, and as a resident, and even beyond that in medicine, as a doctor, or even in other careers too. The point of this podcast is to showcase it all and to be vulnerable and honest throughout it all. So thank you so much for listening to my journey and I really, really appreciate you being here. Now, for my favorite part of the episode, where I sit down with my boyfriend Jarrett and we talk about topics that you want us to cover as a couple in medicine. Okay, so we are transitioning to the second half of the podcast.
1: And now it's a (laughs) we.
0: Yes, so if you don't already follow me on social media, You might be confused what's happening, but my boyfriend, Jarrett, is the the male voice that you hear. Hey there. (laughs) And basically, when I thought about this podcast and creating it, I thought about one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to, which is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. And basically, their podcast is split into two different parts Yeah, so the first part is the interview, and then the second part, Dax and Monica, basically, they do a fact check, but most of it's just talking and telling the listeners about their lives and just debating topics, talking about certain topics. And I really like that because I felt like it's a good way to get to know them and know more about their lives. And I similarly, I feel like on my social media accounts, I share... A lot of educational topics but I feel like people really like learning about my life outside of medicine too and honestly Jarrett is probably more loved on my social media <laughs> than me so I thought it'd be really fun to have the second part of the podcast be kind of about us and we'll talk about really any topics that you want but some things that we thought about were maintaining a relationship in medical school, traveling, burnout, a how, bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff. Just a, bunch, yeah. a bunch. So that's that's really the point of the second half of the podcast and basically since I talked so much the first half about who I was and of my journey to medical school and just wanted you to learn a little bit more about me. I wanted to let Jarrett talk a little bit more about his journey uh, and uh, just so that you can know, get to know him so that when you're listening every week, you aren't confused about who we are as people. <laughs> so- You
1: talking uh, journey into medicine or-
0: Well- I talked a lot about my journey into medicine, but I think it would be interesting to hear about that from you, like starting in college, like what you, what you did or you, I started in high school. So if you wanted to do that.
1: Well, uh, sure. High school was always my, uh, science was always my favorite subject. Uh, thought I wanted to do something, you know, medical field. Uh, so I got accepted uh, to Tulane University down in New Orleans and went there for pre-med got two years into that degree and decided it was too much science and too long of a course to go through that then four years of medical school and four years of residency you yeah. know to finally start making money or good money and I'm doing that yeah living
0: so, that right now <laughs> uh,
1: my mom was a nurse Uh, She's a nurse executive now, and her mom, my grandma, was also a nurse, and she said, you know, if you already have all these prerequisites done for pre-med, they're all going to match up with nursing school, and they did, they transferred, and I got accepted to Western Michigan University's nursing program, and went through that, um, where you're immediately in clinicals, and Mm -hmm. you're taking care of patients and learning medical science, you know, so... It was uh, a challenging road. Uh, One of the hardest bachelor degrees to get is a nursing degree. Yeah. Um, So I have a bachelor's in science and nursing from WMU, and right out of finishing that degree, uh, I went to work at the neurointensive care unit at a local hospital, and uh, yeah, so that was a rough start into nursing. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually... A lot of ICUs, things like that, require some experience as a nurse first, whether in, in emergency med or just years of being a
0: nurse. Just like the surgery, medical floors. Yeah, um,
1: but they they were pretty desperate, and they still are desperate. So um, that's what I did. I did that for about a year and then uh, got a job offer to switch to something that was going to be more informatics side uh, in hospice and jumped at that so now I can work remotely with a nursing job and get to do a lot of EMR stuff and it's all pretty interesting and techy. and you know I don't have to be in the hospitals every day so that's also a plus yeah yeah so that that was my kind of journey into medicine
0: yeah something that I talked a lot about with my journey was in college, getting there, and you you went to, you had a pretty small high school class too, right? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. It's like uh, sixty four people in my graduating class. Yeah.
0: So tell everyone like a little bit about where you're where you're from.
1: Uh, I'm from a very small town in Southwest Michigan, um, and there's no stoplights. <laughs> And we have no fast food restaurant and I live outside of that small town uh, on a lake Um, I was named after a famous Canadian water skier Jarrett Llewellyn and uh, so my family was big into skiing and boating so grew up doing all sorts of water sports still love to do those
0: yeah Um, so kind of something that I feel like I experienced. I don't know if you did too, but we both came from pretty small high school classes where the teachers kind of knew us and we really excelled in in high school. And then I talked a lot about how when I went to college at UCLA, I started to feel like a small fish in a big pond. Yeah,
1: definitely. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was really stressful not only like navigating feeling like you're just a number but also the competition with everyone else because everyone else was the top of their high school oh
1: yeah and and a lot of time pre-med and all these different science courses you know it's graded on a a curve you know so it's not outrunning the bear it's outrunning your friends yeah uh the competition is fierce and it can damage relationships and a lot of times The only relationships people have in these programs or with the people where all they do is discuss the programs yeah it's it's a lot
0: it's like in some ways it's positive because it's like you do need like an outlet to like talk about like the hard things you go through Mm -hmm. you know with pre-med life or medical school but on the other hand can be kind of um you also need things outside yeah, of yeah it's, it's literally like when you only talk about pre-med or life. only talk about <laughs> medical school it's just so it can just feel like that's your only life and like your whole identity mm-hmm. um yeah okay so it's good to know that you experienced that too even like at a different college than yeah. i went to
1: and even in a nursing school too you know it's hanging out with the nurses afterwards the only thing you're talking about is school
0: yeah so so tell everyone a little bit more about like how nursing school kind of is like set up because i know people are like pretty familiar like the first two years of medical school are like in the classroom and then your last two years you're in the hospital like are there similarities or differences um
1: yeah and i'm not saying this is the course that all nursing like yeah. courses take but the uh, western has a pretty nice one um they have two-year nursing degrees and four-year nursing degrees, and most hospitals are looking to move towards four-year nursing uh, hiring, because that's how you become a magnet hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Westerns, there was a, a year or so of, like, prereqs that they want you to have, mostly um, sciences, uh, microbiome, things like that. And once you have the those done, you apply to their program, and... Thankfully, they don't wait list. They just do a new application every year because there are certain nursing programs where there is a couple year-long wait list just to, like, get onto it. Yeah, one of the local ones near me had a wait list of two-plus years. But uh, once you're accepted, uh, the first semester you're in there, you're immediately doing clinicals. Uh, You usually start with, you know, geriatrics and go into nursing homes because that's the easiest and usually yeah. the lightest care, you know. Yeah. And uh, each semester, you're combining the class work with the clinical that you're doing at the same time. So you'll have a PEDS one where you're learning pediatrics in the classroom. And you're also in the hospital taking care of children. Uh, OB, GYN, and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mother-baby unit. It's all combined in one. Uh, so it's just each semester a new, like, focused area of medicine and cl- and nursing, and you do the clinicals along with it, and there's usually one to go along with every single semester you're there, so you're doing six semesters of clinicals.
0: Hmm. So it's, like, at the same time, it sounds like. Yeah, and it has,
1: has a ton of tests, a lot of testing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Is it, like, every week?
1: Uh, no, but it... It's a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's unavoidable. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: Going into medicine.
0: Yeah. And then when you graduated nursing school, like, what was the process like looking for a job? Like, did you have support or was it like you went to job, you looked online or job fairs?
1: They had job fairs. They had all sorts of stuff. But, you know, to this day, um, there's no issue finding work getting outside of nursing school. Every hospital is needing people, and yeah, you know, a lot of hospitals lately are just being staffed pretty much solely by travel nurses, too. I know it's a, it's the system's not perfect, but you got no issues finding work, that's for sure.
0: Literally, my whole TikTok is like travel nurses making a lot of money and traveling to cool places. Oh, well, yeah, they, they
1: get paid what the nurses deserve to be paid, yeah, and, you know, and then they also get a lot of time, uh, they're room and board paid for as well on top of that so that's a lot of where people's income go you know yeah so it's it's a sweet gig if you don't have anything tying you down
0: no definitely and then now you said that you kind of work as an informatics nurse and i feel like no one knows what that means <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you yeah explain um, that
1: i had an informatics course in nursing school too it was uh just sitting in a computer lab all day and it was the most boring thing. I hated that class <laughs> so much and I think I, I did worse in that class than any other class in nursing school. Got the worst grade just because all the assignments were online and all of them were like, oh, you have to remember these due dates yourself and turn this stuff in and do these discussion boards. And Oh, it's like busy work stuff. It's just a lot of busy work. and Yeah. I, I don't know. But informatics is working in the... Uh, electronic health record usually for uh, a hospital or an organization. So for hospice we have a big company that we use for our documentation services and we need to have somebody with a clinical base of knowledge in order to update and make new uh, service codes for our visits. So in order to Make sure you're answering all the clinical questions you need to have all the responses you need to uh, works uh, quality side as well. Just kind of uh, making sure if we're not getting the information out of the nurses that we want to with the questions we have, how do we rephrase it or make it work so that way we start getting information? Because you need to show decline in these patients.
0: Yeah. So, basically, you're kind of, like, the point of contact for a lot of the nurses when it comes to the EHR, and then you're also kind of, like, the liaison between the nurses and then the actual, like, tech team for the EHR.
1: Mm-hmm. And and there's a whole different ses, uh, system set up in our inpatient unit there. Um, we have one of the largest inpatient units in the nation. And uh, so, using their electronic uh, med medical administration record and, like... Uh, task administration record so building out all the tasks all the meds everything into that and documentation
0: yeah and i feel like it like your sect of nursing is cool because it just kind of shows that you don't have to have like a traditional like go to the hospital 12-hour shift like kind of like role like when you're in medicine or in nursing like I think that when you start in school and you start in nursing school or medical school, you think, okay, you only have, like, four or five options that you can do, like, yeah, with patients, it's you know? Yeah, the
1: strongest thing for nursing, I believe, is uh, how much you can go into without having to specialize. Like, for as a doctor, you have to pick your specialty and yeah. you have to get accepted into it and then do four years of it and... Basically you're doing that for the rest of your life. As a nurse, you don't have to, for a lot of things, get specialty training. Um if you want to work in pediatrics, you go and do that. If you wanna work OBGYN, you go and do that. If you wanna work emergency room, you do that. If mm-hmm. you wanna work informatics, you can do that, hospice, yeah, home care, you know.
0: Something that I get asked a lot on social media. Um, is if I ever considered being a PA because they have, they have that kind of also set up where they can yeah. do that. Did you ever think about that? Uh, no, no, I didn't that was not online. think so, but I never, I've never asked you that before. Yeah. It's kind of similar in terms of the length of training, like after undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice cause you don't have to do a residency, And then you can also switch your specialties.
1: And uh, nursing school is also a viable way to apply to medical school, too. We had uh, at least two nurses in our class that were doing nursing school solely as their bachelor degree in order to apply for medical school. And they got accepted.
0: Mm. That seems... I I would not recommend that. (laughs) Because nursing school is difficult. It's a lot. Yeah, It's a lot. And also, I think you would probably get questioned why you don't want to be a nurse. Like you'd have to explain that. Like you went to nursing school to be a nurse and then you're applying to medical school. Like obviously you can explain it, but you have to be prepared for that question. Right. Because they're going to ask you like, wait, what happened? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to be a nurse and now you're going to be a doctor. Like, totally okay and like you probably know so much more than everyone else coming into medical school clinically Mm -hmm. but also they're definitely gonna ask you that yeah (laughs) and I feel like it's just a hard road to go oh it's it's
1: (laughs) more work than you need to put on yourself so (laughs) yeah
0: exactly okay well thank you for telling everyone a little bit about your background and kind of your journey to nursing and a little bit about your career t- trajectory mm-hmm. um i think that i'm excited i'm excited for yeah, it will be a the nice
1: second half we'll yeah add some more fun things into it maybe
0: yeah it's gonna be fun and it's not gonna Like all be about career stuff. We just wanted to explain a little bit about about our backgrounds right Uh at the start, uh, just so people have the knowledge about that. And we definitely want to talk about other topics that I feel like, you know, either people or couples in their twenties kind of are navigating, and be honest about it. I mean, I know like at the time of recording this, like it, I it's the like match week right now mm-hmm. and we have no idea where we're gonna be for the next four years
1: yep. a few days we'll find out where we're <laughs> going for four years
0: <laughs> yeah so by the time you listen to this we'll know but right now we are in this limbo period uh, yeah, it's just
1: stressful yeah limbo. don't know where we're going what we're doing can't make any plans and I, I love to plan
0: Oh my gosh, Jarrett! Literally, he's a pl- he's the planner of the relationship. It's
1: anxiety driven. But it's all right. <laughs> I, I can admit it at least.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we have not been able to plan anything. Like honestly, like even a few months out, like we literally have no idea what mm-hmm. we're gonna be doing, and it's definitely been full of anxiety. Like it's been an anxious period. Yeah. <laughs> But, thankfully, I matched. We have to just find out where. It's a match! (laughs) What is that from?
1: The target lady.
0: Oh, from SNL. Mm -hmm. Christine Week. Yeah, one thing you're going to find out is that Jerry likes to reference lots of things. And I, growing up...
1: Under a rock.
0: Under a rock, (laughs) yeah. Literally, my high school senior superlative was... If she ran into Brad Pitt, she wouldn't know who it was or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know anything. So, you know, you probably are going to get the references a lot more than I will.
1: Mm-hmm. If I had a dollar for every reference she didn't get, we'd pay off those loans a lot faster. Literally. <laughs> we probably would
0: be done paying them off. Um, so, now I... The the whole impression really threw me off. I was just talking about being anxious.
1: Yeah, we're talking about the limbo that the we're limbo. in right now until we find out yeah. where you match.
0: It's a limbo, and also I just feel like it's hard because I'm going through this, like, as a medical student, but you don't realize how much your partner or your family goes through it, too, even though, like, you never signed up to go to medical school, like, you never signed up for this life of... Uh, of being in limbo, but it's just kind of the nature of the game mm-hmm. for and, sure.
1: You know, and you have to constantly remind every single family member we don't know where we're matched. <laughs> we don't find out until this date. We give them the date, <laughs> and every single time you talk, like,
0: oh, where'd you match? <laughs> We finally kind of explained what the match was. Like, that took a couple them YouTube months. Start like, yeah. this is
1: how the system works. <laughs> they know where we're at already, but they like to hold on to that information for two weeks because, you know, nobody knows. I don't know. Yeah. You're probably double-checking it and crap like that, but I just yeah. no. want to know.
0: I know. I want to know, too. And I am just thankful that, even though it's, like, stressful for you to be on this journey, like, it's also nice to have someone else go through it with me, too.
1: Oh, yeah. It's gotta be tough doing it alone.
0: Yeah. I I think it would be hard to do it alone. Like, if you don't have, like, a partner or, like, a roommate, like, at least, like, <laughs> at least, like, have, like, a family member or a friend who you kind of, like, go through this with because it is a lot to do, like, alone. Mm-hmm. It is and it's not. You also have to like constantly remind yourself like this is not like a normal thing. Like people There's don't. An end date. Yeah, like people don't normally like find out their job through like a match algorithm. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Your next job, hopefully, you won't have to go through quite as much. If I don't do
0: a, if I do a fellowship, I'm gonna have to do this again.
1: <laughs> I don't like that. He has a look. He has a look <laughs> of like. This let's is, this is not me just hearing that. <laughs>
0: Although that one isn't quite as, like, I think it's not as a big of a deal. It's not like there's a ceremony or anything. I think it works the same way, though, essentially. Like, you still have to apply and then do interviews and then match, like, rank them. I think it's, like, the exact same.
1: He's- you keep saying it's not the same thing, and <laughs> then you getting- say the, sta- the steps, and it's the exact <laughs> same thing. It's, it's, it's not the same thing. You just got to do this, this, and this. I like, think, uh, okay, maybe
0: doing. it's less stressful because it's, like... You already are a doctor. A doctor. Yeah. So even if you don't, like, match into fellowship, like, you're, you could still be, like, a psychiatrist or, like, an emergency medicine doctor or, like, family medicine.
1: Yeah, whatever you're... Yeah, like, whatever you picked. Yeah.
0: And I also think the fellowships, like, some of them are super competitive, but some of them aren't, like, as competitive. So you feel... And a lot of people do fellowships, like, at their home program or, like, in the state that they live in. Yeah. So...
1: It's all about the connections.
0: It's all about those connections. Anyways, I I think we covered it. Yeah. I think we summed we're, it up. Getting there. I think we, we got a reference in, so we can officially conclude the second half of this podcast. And please, please, please leave a review for us. If you are listening to this episode...
1: Tell them you want more Jarrett. Tell them you want more <laughs> Jarrett
0: in the review. And please message me or leave a review with what topics you want us to talk about, too, because we are very open to lots of topics. And I feel like I need to be like, take it away. And then you got to like...
1: We need a closing song. You got a little
0: closing song. I gotta work on something. It's the I'll Honest you- MD
1: I think i'll do better when well, he
0: does awkward silence you can't you can't really i think
1: they are, i think they're that. absorbing that awkward <laughs> silence oh my gosh they feel it
0: it's palpable all right we're gonna we're gonna take it away pretend there's a little ending song
1: like, oh, thunder.
0: <laughs> and goodbye Thank you so much for tuning into The Honest MD Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I wanna tell you about three ways you can support the show and keep The Honest MD going. Number one, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You literally just have to hit the subscribe button. It's that easy. Number two, Take a screenshot of this episode on your phone, sharing what you loved about the episode and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Hey Kelly Ellen. And lastly, number three, leave a review. This is the ultimate way to support The Honest MD. You can write something short and sweet like I love this show or something longer about things you have learned or appreciated about this podcast. I am not kidding when I say that I read every review and it means so much to me. The more reviews we have means the higher we rank on the podcast algorithm, which means bigger and better guests and episodes. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.